The podcast is also sponsored by my good friend Tiger at It's Tiger Music on Instagram at itztiger.music. You can find all his work on Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. He does all the music and tracks for the Block Hash podcast. Go check him out. Also, don't forget to check out Blockhash Plus on Patreon. This is something that's new, where you can learn more about trading, technical analysis, and charting, all for the price of two cups of coffee a month. That's pretty damn cheap. Sign up at patreon.com slash Blockhash. And last but definitely not least, Blockhash is offering consulting for all your blockchain needs. Buying, exchanging, selling, safe storage, tokenization, NFT creation, point of sale, you name it. We can help you. Go to blockhashpodcast.com slash consulting and let's talk. Hello, people. It is Wednesday, January 13th. This week on the podcast, I have the CEO of Scale Labs, Scale with a K, Jack O'Halloran. Scale Labs helps facilitate the Scale Network. The Scale Network is an open source decentralized network in which dApps can fully utilize and leverage individual blockchains built specifically for them to help increase and create more scalability. Jack and I also get into a number of other topics, including our thoughts on social media, staking on the platform, new announcements that are coming in a week. Um, and, and so much more. You guys are going to really enjoy this episode. Anyways, be sure to subscribe and share this episode with somebody that you think would like to learn more about blockchain, uh, scale labs, and the scale network. Enjoy. Awesome. Uh, Jack, thanks for coming on the podcast. How are you doing? Doing great. Pleasure to be here. Nice. It's, it's awesome to have you on. Um, how are you, you doing? How's your week going? You know, going well. Just uh, working really hard. We, we're making big progress with the scale network and yeah. just exciting times in general in crypto. So I think oh, everybody's very. working around the clock right now. <laughs> I know. Super exciting times for crypto. It's, it's been pretty crazy. Market's been all over the place. Yeah. Market's all over and just traction. I think you know, it's, uh, it's very different from 2018. I think there's like a real authentic organic lift and, and attraction behind everything that's happening. So it's, uh, it's a fun time to be working in the industry. Yeah, it definitely feels like we have less speculators in the space, like in 2017 and 18, and more so actual money going in that wants to be there. So it's exciting to see this, what I've consider revaluation of the entire market and kind of shifting like the projects, like where they deserve to be in terms of market cap, in terms of, you know, partnerships and developments. And I think it's shaking up in a pretty good direction and um, looks like uh, regulations will be in strict, but, you know, not overbearing and too much. And mm -hmm. uh, a lot of ordinary people seem to like it so far and it's going in a good direction. Yeah. And so I, I started working full time. I can give you my background in a little bit, but started working full time in 2017 in the space. And, uh, and I'll tell you, it was, and that's when we started scale and it was just hard, like speaking towards like an actual value prop to people, like getting people to listen, because mm -hmm. I mean, we were thinking, oh yeah, maybe the entire world will be run on one dental token. Anytime you get your tooth cleaned, you're going to pay in this like 
you know, it's just right. things that just weren't realistic were capturing a lot of value. And this wave, I think people are general are generally smarter. The influencers, the analysts are smarter. The professional, uh, like early stage venture capital investors are smarter. And I think, you know, in general, we're all getting better at, at measuring real value. And, and we have real utility tokens. There's tokens that have meaning and purpose. And so, uh, and again, hey, there's going to be things that are over overhyped. It's all part of a bull market, but um, always like the value will end up shifting to, uh, to protocols and tokens and networks and standards that I think are driving value. And, and, um, and yeah, it's just a fun time to be, be building right now. Oh, absolutely. What do you think that's been attributed to the most? Like, is it just the fact that some time has actually passed and these projects have actually um, developed a bit more and built themselves out? Or do you think people are just slightly more educated than they were a few years ago? You know, I, I think it's a mix of a lot of things. But one of the things is, you know, what, so a lot of people came into the space in 2017 and 2018. Mm-hmm. And you just now are seeing all of these like really sophisticated, complex projects really launching. And also, I think the regulatory side pushed and reinforced a, a movement where you couldn't launch a token without actually having something up and working and running if you wanted to do it in a compliant fashion. And so... Right. And so you see like scale, for example, it took three years to build the scale network with you know, uh, many, many contributors and, and engineers and people working on the project. You look at other projects like Solana, Near, and Avalanche and Polkadot and all these other, other networks that are up and running. It just took a long time. And a lot of it was, I think there were the, the crypt, just purely crypto OGs in the space and very early adopters building. And, mm-hmm. and you know, hey, they, they, did a phenomenal job and they're still working the space, but then you just keep putting more and more talent in an industry and you have real things that are built. And then so on top of that, you have people who are educated and are looking for the right data points are looking for the right metrics and they're not just following hype. Um, and so I think it's just a different feel and a vibe and it's maturing. Um, mm-hmm. it still has a long ways to go. Don't get me wrong, but, but we're, uh, we're in a good position and, and, and yeah, exciting stuff. Yeah, I'm kind of glad that this hype phase is kind of ended in a way and that we're actually seeing some development. We're actually seeing real genuine interest in the space. And I think that's what's going to help uh, justify the price on, in the market and also um, how quickly blockchain becomes a mainstay technology in, in the world. So mm-hmm. it's going in a good direction. Very excited about it. And definitely want to talk about how Scale Labs is you know, a part of this. Um, and everything you guys are doing there and what it is. Um, before we do that, though, tell me a little bit about yourself and your background. So for my audience who um, don't know who you are, they can get a, a better idea. Yeah, hi. So I'm, I'm Jack O'Halloran. I'm the CEO of Scale Labs. Scale Labs is the core team building that, you know, contributing, supporting, and helping build the Scale Network. And the Scale Network is fully open source, community-owned, uh, like Ethereum or Bitcoin. It's run not by Scale Labs, it's run by right now 47 different validator orgs that are running over 153 nodes and with stake over 4,000 stakers from 90 different countries. So it's a fully decentralized network. And I, uh, I've i been working in tech as a, as a founder for a very long time and based in Silicon Valley. So I uh, was with a company called Good Technology, started in 2005 there uh, and sold to Motorola for about half a billion dollars. It was a uh, cryptographic messaging platform and mobile device management platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then uh, then actually started a digital currency company in 2008. 
where enterprises could uh, could tokenize resources and and built that. And actually, in, in order to do that, I had to build a very strong analytics component to make that system work. And and then as the market crashed in 2008, I ended up morphing that company into a company called Octana that is the leading machine learning uh, AI company for life science, um, pharmaceutical and biotech with regards to optimizing commercial operations and commercial effectiveness. And it's almost every pharmaceutical rep or biotech rep in the world and marketing department uses this platform. So I, I come from a background of traditional tech and mm -hmm. I'm a builder and you know, I was in mobile, then AI, machine learning. And, and then when I, uh, I saw blockchain, uh, I, I, got, I got involved with blockchain early 2013, but wasn't until re I really understood the power of Ethereum and I recognized that you could build enterprise great applications and community owned systems mm -hmm. is that, uh, and it wasn't until 2017, I saw the potential and that's when I started working on scale and I met my co-founder, Stan Kladko, who's, who has a PhD in physics and has over 20 years of cryptography experience and has started a number of successful uh, tech companies in Silicon Valley as well. And so Stan and I kicked this off in 2017 and just in, in October, the network finally launched. That's just how long it took to build something uh, mm -hmm. of this level of sophistication and depth and, uh, and with uh, these types of decentralized elements and security properties. So, so yeah, that's my, my, my quick summary of, of who I am. So happy to be here today. Yeah, we're happy to have you. And it sounds like you already got quite a background in the space anyways. Um, so that you're very familiar with it and you've seen a lot of the ups and downs. Um, so with scale, what, what is scale labs exactly? And like, what's the mission? Yeah. So scale labs mission is to support the scale network. And, and, and there's a lot of now contributing parties supporting the scale network. And you see this, this structure where you have an, a corporation that's job mm -hmm. is to support and help facilitate growth of a network and a technology stack, like protocol labs supporting Filecoin would be a good corollary. But then there's a foundation that really, you know, implements the token and, and, and help launch the network that Scale Labs is not affiliated with. Uh, and, uh, but Scale Labs, with, I, so I think, I think the better, or maybe what you're really getting is, what is the purpose and the mission of the Scale Network? Mm -hmm. And so the Scale Network is designed to one, help scale Ethereum. That's the first goal is, hey, is almost be a uh, layer two addendum to every single Ethereum application. And what makes it, what makes it unique is uh, the scale network itself is not one blockchain that's shared by every application. Each application that, that deploys on Ethereum can go to the scale network and get their own blockchain. And what happens is there's this large pool of servers. Instead of all of them running one blockchain like, the, like you see with Bitcoin and Ethereum, these servers talk to each other and they also talk to the Ethereum mainnet. Mm. And what happens is they are able to communicate autonomously and create blockchains automatically for developers without any humans in the loop. And then each application gets its own blockchain that's incredibly fast and can run smart contracts, can run transactions. What makes this unique is it's not just, and this is why the first goal is just to scale Ethereum. The second goal is really to bring the Web3 cloud to the blockchain ecosystem. So scale, you can run file storage, you can run machine learning uh, algorithms, uh, neural network uh, models mm -hmm. integrated to smart contracts. What we want to do is we want to make it so you could run a fully decentralized Twitter um, or, or Facebook or Google or 
um, salesforce.com or you know, any enterprise grade application or ad platform, uh, et cetera, on scale. Any sort of you know, large supercell game could be running fully decentralized with Ethereum and scale and obviously other components uh, in the uh, Ethereum ecosystem and stack. Gotcha. So scale is a layer two on top of Ethereum, correct? It's, I, I like to call it, it's a layer two plus. And I think a lot of people, uh, there's nuances depending on your definition of what's layer two. If there's a consensus that happens on layer two, some people say, hey, that's not layer two. Layer two is only if there's a centralized server that's running a fraud proof. Um, and, you know, we, we don't think that's a good model. We, we prefer to use consensus and use a decentralized network to run in tandem with, with Ethereum. Mm -hmm. And so with scale, you actually get layer one level security coupled with uh, you know, a layer two speed, if that makes sense. That does and make sense. additional functionality that you can't get in other networks because there's just a lot more happening because of the app specific blockchain network. It's almost like if you go to Amazon and you have an app and I have a game, Mm -hmm. Amazon doesn't just give me access to the same big database everyone else uses. And if they did, you know, so let's say, let's say Twitter's using the same database they give me and all of a sudden something's trending, all of a sudden it costs me way more and makes my, makes my system slower because mm -hmm. I'm sharing this compute load. What Amazon does is they use all this containerization and, and, you know, cutting edge technology to give you your own database that you can make bigger or smaller and tailored to your needs and your requirements. And, Scale does the same thing, but for blockchains. In terms of scalability, when they create a new blockchain, for example, for a new project or a DAP smart contract, whatever it may be, what, what is the scalability potential for that project? Like, is there a, a TPS limit per, per blockchain? It almost sounds like you're creating all these side chains or something, um, but like yeah. how much can something scale in terms of a DAP or, um, or is it limited to... I'll just let you answer that question. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know what you're getting. At. Yeah, so so it's limited to about two thousand transactions per second for a a large scale chain, mm -hmm. which is a lot, right? <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. I yeah yeah it's it's so you know I don't think there'll be any issues with regards to throughput, um, but that's a that's for a large chain. If you want a very small chain, you might be getting twenty transactions per second, but the cost is dramatically lower because you're basically buying less of the network. And it's almost right. like Amazon buys a bunch of servers, they run them in their server farms and their employees run them. Scale doesn't have employees. Everybody in a communal fashion owns the network and anybody can show up, run a server, add it to the pool of servers, then any application can show up and buy a component of that or buy a piece. And I could buy a little piece and get 20 transactions per second. I could buy a big chunk and get 2000 transactions per second. But the cool thing about it is not just the TPS, it's that it doesn't cost the users anything when they're in the scale chain. Mm -hmm. The developer buys the chain purchased in scale tokens for a six month period or 12 month period or 24 month period. And then they can use it as much as they want up to the capacity it can handle based off of the load that they, you know, the, the quantity of the network they've purchased. So let's say the network's 100, 100 units and I purchased one unit and I just pay for that in advance. And when my users come and whether it be I have a game or a DeFi application, they're not paying per byte. And so there's mm -hmm. not a, uh, unfortunately with a lot of blockchain products, there's a reverse network effect or a negative network effect where 
every time I use a product, it costs me more. And so I disincentivize to keep using it more. I want to use it less and try to get the most out of less use scale. Like right. web two used to be like that. You had to pay to use things. And then they're like, Hey, let's let people use it as much as possible. Then they can pay in increments um, with a yearly package or a monthly package. And then when they're using too much, they can buy more and more and enterprise software went along the same arc. And, and so scale is just frankly copying those best practices and mm -hmm. being able to pull in while not losing decentralization or security properties. That's good. That's good to have that principle. Is there, is there a realistic scenario where something could potentially need more than 2000 transactions per second, or is that asking for a lot? I mean, I, I think it is. I mean, so let me just give some quick numbers. Uh, okay. Um, yeah. Cause I was curious I about uh, that. Cause I wasn't sure like, Realistically, realistically, how many of these projects use or have that much uh, platform demand in terms of TPS? Yeah, I mean, and it's it's basically it's 172 million transactions a day, mm -hmm. right? That's a lot. Right. And so, if you really were being gated, you know, that's for a large chain. Like that's that's a tremendous amount of transactions. So, let's say you were at a point where, like, well, we need more. Um, and maybe you don't need that many throughout the course of the day, but you might run into a peak time where like, hey, just for one hour a day, we're getting hammered and we need 4,000 per second or something like, and by the way, this isn't the issue of today. What matters more is low cost and fast finality. So it's less with the number of transactions. It's the fact that the blockchain can register that transaction in one second with finality mm -hmm. compared to on Ethereum, right? We put something through and it's like 15 seconds or 60 seconds or 10 minutes if it's a big you know, big gas load, right? And I didn't put enough uh, enough gas into that. Right. So, um, and so those those matter more. But what you you could also do a scale. You could actually get multiple scale chains and try to design your smart contracts to point to different chains to try to offset the load a little bit. And in a way, you could think of scale as shards instead of a side chain. It's like a shard of a big unit that keeps sharding and you get your own shard, you may want to just like ETH2 has 32 of these shards and they offset the load through shards. Mm -hmm. An application could set up multiple smart contracts and just have them point to different shards and get more throughput if they wanted. I always got a kick out of the fact that they called gas gas <laughs> because <laughs> there's so many times where someone's asked me, hey, did you did you send me Ethereum today or did, did you pay me for this? So I'm like, Oh, I was going to wait and do it later because gas prices are too high. And they're like, well, what do you do? Driving it over? <laughs> <laughs> we have gas and shards, right? They're really right. like great terms. <laughs> I know. W wonderful terms. They don't necessarily make sense, but in a way, I guess so. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like you've got to fuel the transaction, right? You're paying gas. I mean, right. in a way you're, you're giving, you're paying, you know, it's almost not gas because gas gets burnt, right? Mm -hmm. It just exactly. goes into you're really paying the miners to process your transaction, which I have to say is like the way decentralized network should work. Eventually the like yield per month should be lower than the transaction fees and Ethereum crossed that threshold. And, and with scale, we're excited for that threshold to be crossed as well. I think, you know, it's at some point the inflation in the network keeps subsiding and it keeps having, and you need transaction mm -hmm. volume to exceed and that's when you know you have a real utility. Yeah, yeah, since we're on that topic, what do you think of Ethereum 2.0? How do you think that's played out so far? Yeah, hey, it's just, it's a big push. It's a huge effort and oh, yeah. scale, we're, we're incredibly excited about this. We started in 
know, we started in 2017 thinking, great, we'd be building integration to E2 in 2019. And mm -hmm. it's 2021. And, you know, we're, we have a base level beacon chain set up. But what that is, it's just a base blockchain, right? Mm -hmm. It's a bunch of nodes that are running staking. What they're not doing is supporting transactions. And in order for that to happen, these nodes need to also be able to set up uh, a, a faculty where they can also work for blocked for applications mm -hmm. and not just be a place to run stake, but to run execution of smart contracts and, and be able to have like, and it's very complicated because you need, you know, you need your DAP needs to come and needs to be assigned to one of these shards. And then it has to be able to communicate to other shards, right? Right. And it's slower. And so we're going to lose a lot of composability because we have 32 different blockchains, but I actually think that's not that big of a deal. I think some of the DeFi stuff gets a little more limited, but um, I think we, we're going to get a lot more growth. And, and hey, I haven't heard a, an updated timeline of when we're actually going to see applications live. I mean, it might be a few years, might be a year, might mm -hmm. be earlier, but uh, I think everyone, it's just, hey, we at least got the beacon chain up and running, okay? <laughs> right. Well, at least there's some progress. I was kind of worried that it would just never happen because they it took forever to come to consensus on anything. It was like such the opposite of like what this whole movement is about. It's like being able to come to consensus in situations where you can't, <laughs> and then well, they can't come to consensus. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, that's it, it is it is kind of ironic. <laughs> it's very um, ironic. It, <laughs> <laughs> How does that so? Does Ethereum 2.0 in the long run, does it benefit scale labs or does it hurt scale labs or does it not really change much? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, we'll talk specifically about the scale network itself and the, and the scale token. I think it benefits mm -hmm. dramatically. And so it was designed to work together. Mm -hmm. So you could think of it as still the ETH2 structure is a shared database, right? And imagine if we had all the applications on Amazon Web Services using one database, then, you know, I'm using my email all of a sudden costs me a lot more to send an email, costs me money to send an email. And, and my email's slower because a social media application is trending, right? right? Like all of a sudden TikTok's blowing up and then it costs me more to, you know, tweet something or email somebody or to run Google Maps. And, mm -hmm. you know, and it's just not modern architecture. So, so app-specific blockchains are, are the future, but they need mainnets to call upon mm -hmm. that have a register, like this foundational registry of who owns what, okay? So who owns what is stored on the main chain? And then mm -hmm. all of your activities, all your smart contracts, your transactions are going to happen in a second layer. And I, I actually think layer two is a poor term. I, I like to call it the execution layer. So there's this like stability layer or security layer mm -hmm. of just, hey, here's my here's what I have on the main net. And then when I go and use these applications, I can then enter the scale world. And the cool thing about scale, there's actually a network effect where the more applications that use scale, the more that those applications can talk to each other from scale chain to scale chain and mm -hmm. not have to talk back to the main net. That's cool. Um, and then when I want to take my money out and say, hey, I'm going to, I'm going to swap my, I've got all these die in these different applications. I've got this USDC I'm using. And like, you know, I'm going to pull that out. I'm going to go, 
you know, do something else with it. And I pull it out, then I would leave that. And then it would be, it would print, it would uh, release back to me, whatever I then have my new balance on the main net. And then let's say, Hey, I want to take part of it. I'm going to go like enter this application. I'm going to use it over here. And, Oh yeah, actually I want to like connect my wallet. I have my wallet connected to this, uh, you know, DeFi application. I want to go do some yield farming. I can pull it here. I actually don't need to leave and pay gas fees each time I come and go. Mm -hmm. within scale. And, and by the way, this feature is, it will be released later this year. This is where the interchain messaging contract can let scale chains talk to scale chains right now. Scale chains can just talk to the mainnet, but in the future that will be enabled. And then you have seamless interaction. So then you have a base level and then app specific levels mm -hmm. on the, uh, on the DAP side. How does that work exactly? So does that allow like one DAP to talk to another DAP on the scale network or? Exactly. And okay. it's, so, so the internet is built off this premise of, of loosely coupled databases, okay? It's not mm -hmm. one database where every, you know, everything can talk to everything in real time. They actually have to like message, it's asynchronous. It's not this like atomic thing that can just, you know, happen, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, databases and applications have to speak to other applications. They do that like through, through messaging, right? And boom, I can send a note here. And, and so blockchains are not, blockchains are these like unified structures cur currently, but then you look, and I think Cosmos may have been the first one to say, hey, like we believe in app specific blockchains. And that was, that was our vision too, since 2017, it just made sense. We'd thought of it and then we started doing this research and we're like, oh, well, okay. Other people think it's a good idea. Compound just announced plans to build a, a proof of authority app specific blockchain. Because they're mm -hmm. saying, hey, like we're not getting what we need from the Ethereum mainnet. Let's go build something. And you know, the good news is scale already exists. I don't know if they'll, they don't know that yet, but they could use scale and have their own app specific blockchain. So mm -hmm. um, so I, I anyways, I think this is coming. And and you know, and so 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 when you think of scale, each chain can talk to each chain in a similar fashion to applications can talk to applications in the, in the modern internet is how scales designed to function and look. Did you reach out to them? Ask them to come on? Uh, actually we haven't yet. And, uh, but I'm going to, uh, you know, you should. but you know, they, they obviously have big plans to build their own, their own blockchain, but mm -hmm. I, I feel, I guess, an obligation. I better, I better go make them aware. Like, hey guys, you don't have to uh, do just that. Just pitch it to them. It's too much time. It's too much money. Just come try scale. Hop on our network. <laughs> Got you. Come on, compound. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, and and a big piece of it too. There's a lot of hype in crypto, and so you look at scale. Like one of the one of the things we decided as a community was, let's announce partnerships, and you know, and let's you know go go really push when we have something real. And so there's 70 applications signed up right now, uh, testing, running in the Scale Innovator program. And now in, you know, at the end of this month or the very beginning of February, scale chains are gonna start going live. The network's mm -hmm. been live since October, but the chain structures do this, uh, this scale to Ethereum connector now um, is finalized and it's gone through auditing. So we wanted to get it through two audits. So it went through audits and the audits will be published really soon, and then the chains are going to go live. And then now that things are real and live, we're going to go to everybody and say, "Hey, here it is! Like, you know, you can you can actually use this. It's not a conceptual, you know, magic fix to Ethereum." Which I think mm -hmm. what we what we've had to date is a lot of conceptual things that are going to fix things. 
And then things that are like interim steps, like people launching four node side chains and saying it's like the answer, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know, one side chain that's four nodes. I won't call that out uh, which project that is, but we could have done that in like, you know, 18 months ago, but we wanted to wait till something that was the real answer for the long run was ready. And it's, it's finally ready to go. And, and there's a ton of demand. So we're, we're excited. Yeah, it's exciting to see this in action. Like I'm looking forward to it. How does uh, how does scale stack up versus competition out there, or is there a competition? Yeah, so uh, there's competition on two levels. So uh, what it comes down to is what matters is developer choice, and I think I think a lot of people underestimate the power of uh, developers to guide these markets. So you look at Microsoft. Why was Microsoft so successful and Apple? Mm -hmm. Both of them catered to developers and Microsoft was the first kind of inventor of this business to developer uh, operating model. You have B2B, B2C, and then, you know, business to business, business to consumer, then there's business to developer. So you're not selling anything, but you're educating, you're creating awareness, you're creating support, and you're helping developers make decisions about platforms and and developers, by and large, are picking Ethereum. Okay, so I think we can't underestimate the power uh, of Ethereum right now and what's happening mm. with the developer traction. And so then, when you when you think about developers, let's say I, I have a game, then what are the, how are they going to scale Ethereum? And so right now they're saying, well, I either have to leave Ethereum, maybe I'll go build on Polkadot, maybe I'll go build on Cosmos or some other blockchain or Near or Solana, and mm. and you know. Generally, people aren't willing to do that. They have all their smart contracts audited. They don't want to risk the security. They don't want to rebuild all their platform. They don't want to go try to access new tooling. Sometimes they do. You see, you know, these other projects talk about this, but the vast majority of apps are going on Ethereum. Okay. So, mm -hmm. so then, 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 so one, we're competing saying, hey, like build on Ethereum. Two, then, then it's build on scale plus Ethereum. And then their options are, hey, what other layer two models can I use? And I think there's different ways, uh, you know, we look at we look at that equation. And so, so you know, so to, to summarize this, either A, you leave Ethereum, you build on an entirely different blockchain. B, you say, I'm going to be on Ethereum, but I'm going to use a centralized system where, uh, or there's quasi-decentralized versions of this, but a centralized system where, hey, I'm going to pay somebody to run a fraud proof. I'm going to pay them to run a rollup, a ZK rollup, an optimistic rollup. I'll pay a company. They run a server that checks this sidechain ledger to ensure things are accurate. Okay. Right. But then you're, then you're centralized. That doesn't work for many, many use cases. The other option is people are trying to design these kind of like randomized or like auction models to determine which node gets to be the node that runs the fraud proof. But then you have an issue of like, okay, like, so I could bid in this auction to run the operating node. And then I need to, in theory, bid more than the value of the chain or the security's not there, right? Right. And so I could say, hey, I've got a ZK rollup, but there's this auction model. That to me isn't very effective. Like, we've decided not to do that because at the end of the day, you're using an auction model to do what you could do with what scale does. And we'd rather use blockchain than these other things. So. Another option is you just run a traditional side chain where it's a fixed set of operators mm -hmm. and, you know, and then there's all of these nodes out there 
and it's a fixed number and people go to them, there's way less of these nodes than there are in the mainnet, and so it costs less to use this. And if two thirds of them go bad, they could just steal all the money. And if you look at the money staked into these networks, like there's not very much. And you can see this on DeFi pulse. And, and then, you have, then you have a model of scale. Actually, the Ethereum mainnet is where the stake lives. And the Ethereum mainnet helps orchestrate the scale network. And all of these nodes work together. And then at, at any given time, 16 of them are going to work to you, work for you. And so let's say there's a thousand nodes in the network. And I say, I want a chain. I pay the Ethereum mainnet. Ethereum, through Ethereum security, assigns these nodes to work for me and it gives me a blockchain. And I have the same thing as a side chain, but it's pulled from a big pool and then it's rotated. And then, hey, these nodes are gonna switch. And so you get this randomness and mm. then this rotation. And then there's also, a, there's also a stake component. And so you're staking into the network. And at scale right now, in scale right now, I think there's about 350 million USD staked in the network. Mm -hmm. which is dramatically more than any kind of layer two solution. Um, yeah, and yeah, it's, and so just the cost of attacking each application is incredibly high. And so that's the model we've picked. And so when we go and we talk to applications, we just like try to educate them, make them know the risks of every model on scale of two thirds of the nodes said, Hey, like we're going to be bad and we're going to give up like, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars of stake just to steal money. That could, you know, they could steal your money, but the same thing could happen on Ethereum today. 51% of the, of the miners could say, hey, let's take the money. But at the end of the day, they don't do it because they're financially incentivized to act in the, with the right behavior. And that's how blockchains work. If you go to the other end of the spectrum where you're not using a blockchain, but you're using a ZK technique or a rollup or a plasma, mm -hmm. those aren't blockchains. Those are using a fraud proof mechanism to try to validate things are accurate but then you have to pull in one server. And if that one server gets uh, corrupted, the money could be taken. Right, right. I didn't know you guys did staking. Is is that any bit similar to uh, staking on any other blockchain or is that a separate process? How does it work? Yeah, it's a great question. So it's very similar to staking on ETH2 or Cosmos or, um, or a lot of these other uh, proof of stake network. So scale is right. a proof of stake network. So anybody who has a scale token right now, you can go to the consensus activate page and you can stake. And there's a couple other partnerships that are launching tune or two uh, where you can go to these other places. And what you do is you, you have your tokens and you can, you know, whether they be on like, you have to pull them out of an exchange, let's say you have them on Binance or somewhere, you pull them out, you get them into MetaMask or a ledger wallet or something. And then you just literally, uh, it's an ERC-777. So your token never leaves your possession, but mm -hmm. it's able to send a signal to the scale network and the Ethereum mainnet that says, hey, I want to stake. And then let's say you had like 100, you know, 100 scale tokens. Each month, you're going to get 1.1 scale tokens in return. And, um, and that, that equation is based off how many stakers there are in the stake rate of the network. But right now, it's about... I think 1.12% return per month. Mm -hmm. And so if you had a million dollars worth of scale tokens and the price stayed exactly the same, you would make 1.1% uh, a month back off that million dollars. It's 1.1% a month? Yeah, return so, of, of token on token return, not, not dollar return. And that's okay. like the yield you get for staking your token. 
So is that like a 12% yield on the year? Yeah. It's well, a little good. more, right? Yeah. Be if it's compounding and you're, depends if you're taking right. your turn, then you keep oh, that's, restaking that's true. it. And then I get, yeah, if it's higher, compounding yeah. over and you're taking what you earned in staking and you're staking that, then yeah, I guess exponentially it would go up. <laughs> yeah. Over a five-year period, if you staked and you compounded every month, you'd have double your starting amount. I guess I'm going to have to go buy some after this, huh? <laughs> hey, I, 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 I'm not, uh, I, I don't, I can't give anybody advice on how to spend your money at all. It's of course, <laughs> but we don't give uh, any you know, investment believer. advice on this podcast from yes. the guest or the host. So, so don't even go there. <laughs> yeah. But, but I am a believer in utility tokens and what mm -hmm. I do try to promote people uh, to do is to actually stake your tokens because you're not, you're actually participating in networks and whether you're staking in a proof of state stake network like scale, or you're taking tokens and you're participating in like, you know, you're putting them into Uniswap and participating in liquidity pools. You're actually participating in blockchains. And it's a, you know, I think really like it's a different feeling and a different experience and you're actually a co-owner. These, uh, there's no such thing as like a share ownership, but it's like, everybody who has Bitcoin owns a part of the Bitcoin network and everybody who has a part of the scale network has a part of the scale network. And if you stake your tokens, you also get to vote with your tokens. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's like the most interesting thing in the world. It's like having a share, but it's not really a share of anything in particular. It's like just the whole one of us mantra. You're just one of us. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And, you know, shares are securities. Like they exactly. give you ownership. They entitled you a certain percentage of an entity and, you know, profit and revenue and whatever mm -hmm. comes with that. And, and tokens done the right way are actually utilities and they have functional software uh, that I guess roles mm -hmm. and in scale, you actually, you can stake your token and provide security to the network and get more tokens in return. You can pay with the token to buy a scale chain um, you can, uh, you can take your tokens, stake them and then vote. And let's say we want to change the price of a scale chain. Mm -hmm. There's a proposal. You can actually vote if your tokens are staked. And then what you have is actually a democratized business where everybody's a co-owner, but you're not just a co-owner. You're like a co-contributor or co-participator, <laughs> right. um, which is a pretty cool thing. That is really cool. A lot of cool stuff you guys are doing. i uh, really excited to see all this like fully rolled out. Do you guys have any like current use cases? Like you have projects on right now that are using it or you have people just kind of waiting on the sideline until everything's 100% good to go or what's the situation there? Yeah, we we have 70 different uh, projects, companies, government organizations, DAOs, et cetera, signed, uh, signed up in the innovator program testing. And what we're going to do is I think there'll be about 20 that launch um, initially over the first, you know, like, 20 to 40 days or something. Mm -hmm. And next week, we're going to start announcing them just kind of like one by one and announce them by use case. So what we want to show is the breadth of use cases. So I think we're going to have like a use case display or use case uh, roadshow <laughs> and show everybody, mm -hmm. hey, what uh, what can the network do? And so that's, so, you know, DeFi applications, gaming, um, uh, DAOs, uh, voting protocols, um, uh, B2B applications, um, 
you know, there's just there's just a ton of use cases. Uh, social media platforms, like decentralized social media platforms, That'd decentralized nice. music. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, decentralized music platforms. Like, there's just, you know, it's like power to the people. Wherever you see middlemen taking like a huge control of of uh, or a huge amount of profit and control, right? And I think regardless of anybody's political beliefs, nobody's happy with the way any of these big mega tech companies operate. No oh, one's happy with no them. And they're they're no basically like, yeah, they're like judge, jury, and executioner. And like there's limited data, limited visibility and how they make decisions. And 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 I think decentralized social networks, the goal of them isn't to create these like societies where people can just say whatever they want that could be illegal. But what they do is they give people like, a transparent place to like communicate and then govern themselves and right. the people can govern the people have visibility into the rules like well what is the algorithm saying you know when i post something am i being untrended because someone's political belief like the works of the company um or am you know am i being censored in a way i shouldn't and i think it's you know that's a big broad topic but mm -hmm. the goal isn't to have like a lawless society the goal is to have a more transparent society that can implement its laws better and let right. the people just like the people govern the laws by voting the people should be able to govern the systems they use by voting right i think that's a huge area where blockchain can play a, a massive role in in fixing social media in some ways um because there is because I, I never talk about politics and i'm, I'm never going to take one yeah. side or the other uh, especially on the yeah. podcast but what i will say is that if you have a single platform um, that is capable of silencing our own president, something's inherently wrong, like badly, like that mm -hmm. shouldn't happen. Of all the people they do censor, you shouldn't be able to censor the executive branch of our government. So whether you like him or hate him, um, it, it's fundamentally just wrong, in my opinion. There's something that needs to be fixed there. There's got to be a better checks and balance system, but it's definitely one area that, could use some fixing up because it's not just that situation. There's a lot of scenarios where people are feeling, um, you know, censored or silenced or um, even throttled, like plenty of people that think their accounts just get throttled down. So they don't get the same reach it hurts businesses, hurts individuals that are entrepreneurs um, while they throttle up other things for incredibly stupid reasons. <laughs> um, reason yeah, why yeah. TikTok does so well, they throttle up accounts for, people that have certain interests versus just a normal business or a normal person, they throttle your account down. So you get less reach. So yeah. you yeah, gotta ask, yeah. is that it's, fair to people? Yeah. And that's, that's, I think the beauty of these networks. And again, I'm, I'm also like, you know, always try to take a somewhat apolitical stance. I just not mm -hmm. worth, you know, it, I, yeah. and, but what I, what I do care about is like, you know, transparency and like, mm -hmm. And like, I actually think policing, you know, if you can hear and see what people are saying, it's easier to police them and implement laws to have then consequences, you know, it's like, right. so, uh, uh, yeah. And so like, I'm not at all in favor of any sort of lawless society at all. It's, uh, it's really, you know, I'd love to see users have more control over their networks mm -hmm. and, um, and whatever way that is. Right. And, and let's just let the people not like, because the reality is it's a group of executives living in San Francisco or whatever city that just have like an unbelievable amount of control. And regardless of your political beliefs, like 
you're being negatively impacted by that in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Well, we need rules. I mean, society only exists because there are rules. Like you can't walk down the street, Mm -hmm. uh, mug your neighbor, steal his wallet, run into the coffee shop. And, you know, there's, there's rules that make society, you know, livable. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's what rules can everyone agree on? So I think that's the the fundamental aspect. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's crazy stuff's happening, man. It's, and I have to tell you, it's going to be an interesting, I think, like, I don't have a crystal ball. I don't, I don't even have like a good, you know, like really great understanding of what's going to happen, mm-hmm. but um, it'll be interesting when you, when you remove a set of executives that are in control of networks and you get a, a set of people. And so people starting like minds, for example, starting a social media uh, platform, like they're going to need enough systems to govern their networks. What if people are putting you know, bad types of nudity on the network. Well, that, you know, they're going to need to have ways to control that, but it's not a set of people. It's a set of uh, protocols. Mm -hmm. And then you need to have governance mechanisms so that people can make sure things are happening. Not like, you know, so basically it's decentralization to the rescue, but it doesn't alleviate all the problems. What it will need to do is it'll just make all the users more responsible for the products they use. Absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot that we Which unpacked. is awesome, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, yeah, totally yeah. awesome. There's, there's a lot that we've unpacked here. So I think there's a lot of good information on this episode. Um, but yeah, before we like wrap up and finish here, um, where can people go to learn and follow Scale uh, Labs and the Scale Network? And then how can they also keep up with the updates that are coming out, you said like a week or so, the announcements? Yeah, so so the best way, so you can go to the website, it's scale.network. And if you're watching video, scale with a K, S-K-A-L-E dot network. Uh, you'll, you'll find links to the Telegram channel, uh, which is at scale official, uh, the Twitter at scale network. You can follow me at Jack O'Holloran on Twitter. And, uh, and you know, you'll by going to the website, it'll be immediate access into all these different different areas. If you're a developer, you can go to the Discord, go to scale.chat. Um, and uh, yeah, hey, this is, you know, Scale Labs Inc. started this, but gave the technology and the money away a long time ago. And we're, mm-hmm. we kind of think of ourselves as like humble supporters of the network. And it's a network we all own. And we welcome everybody to come join and participate and stake and play a part in governance. Because, you know, we talked about social media platforms. Well, software systems need governance too. And it shouldn't just be a set of executives. So, you know, right. the, uh, you know, please come be a co co-owner and voter and part of the democracy of the scale network. Yeah. And also thanks for coming on and, you know, sharing a little bit with the audience and the people out there that'll, a lot of them, they'll get a chance to see and hear about, uh, scale labs and the scale network and what you guys are all about. And, uh, best of luck to you guys as uh, you roll out these announcements and it sounds like it'll be a fun and exciting transition. Yeah, we're, Hey, we're looking forward to it. It's, 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 it's go time. And I think everybody, everyone working in the space full-time like myself, I think there's just a, a passion mm-hmm. to get real usage. You know, we need real users. We need to make real impact. And I think this, this is the year and, and it's go time. So yeah, and it's what be a better bigger. time too? What better time than when the market is really surging in the right direction? You got this interest. Great yeah. time for announcements. Yeah. So hey, it'll be fun. Hey, thank you so much for having me on. It, it was my pleasure. Absolutely. Um, feel free to come on anytime in the future. It's awesome having you. 
Um, stay, stay safe, stay healthy. Talk to you soon.